guys, it's Melissa. Since we're an independent podcast, your support means the absolute world, whether that's on social media, in a podcast review, or a word of mouth recommendation. If you've been enjoying this podcast and would like to take it a step further, I now have a support feature where you can contribute a one-time donation at whichever price you'd like. Click the link in the episode description to learn more. Thanks guys, now enjoy the show. Welcome to Mimosa Sisterhood, a podcast that celebrates women. Hello, friends. Happy Valentine's Day. Welcome back to Mimosa Sisterhood Podcast. I am coming at you with my very first bonus episode, which is a little gift I'm throwing your way because I was so late on releasing my last episode that I figured I'd throw a third one into the mix for the month of February. And I have to give a really huge shout out to Eve Carrier, who is my boyfriend's stepmother, who gave me the idea in which I'll be discussing today. She reached out, was like, yo, I have this awesome woman to tell you about. Have you heard of her? I hadn't. And I thought this will be absolutely perfect to talk about on Valentine's Day. Now, I know a lot of people hate Valentine's Day. There have definitely been times in my life where I was not a fan, but we're not talking about horrible Valentine's Days today. We're actually going to be talking about a woman who literally made her stamp in history in the Valentine's Day world, and she was all about the gaudy, romantic, lovey-dovey-ish But she was so much more than that. She was so much more than that. She was a businesswoman. She was an entrepreneur. She was a pioneer in the women's movement in the 1800s when this was not a thing. So I'm going to tell you all about the wonderful, amazing Esther Howland. I had never heard of her until a couple of weeks ago when Eve shared her story with me. And I'm so happy that I was introduced to her because she is somewhat of an icon that's related to Valentine's Day and brings other elements to the table like entrepreneurship, women's empowerment, you know, all those things that we don't really think of when we think of Valentine's Day. We think of partners, we think of romance, we think of engagements, we think of all these lovey-dovey things, which like no doubt she was very much involved in. But she was also involved in the business side of shit. And that's actually fascinating to me. Now, on the same note, I will say Valentine's Day gets a lot of heat for a lot of different reasons. But I think one in like our day and age is the, the business side of it. I think people hate that it's this like massive industry of consumerism where once a year we spend a buttload of money on Valentine's cards, candies, chocolates, roses, restaurant meals, and it's just turned into this like massive consumerist holiday that just like puts pressure on everybody to like excel to the romantic level year after year after year. And it leaves like the single people feeling weird and like it's just a whole thing. So it's gotten a lot of heat. People hate it. And I totally understand that. In fact, I've agreed with that for years. But I have to say, I'm not as mad about it anymore after learning about Esther Howland. Because to be honest, she was the woman that led the ship into this massive Valentine's consumerist holiday. And in the 1800s, it didn't destroy the world on like the level that maybe it is today. It was 
a huge staple in history that a single unmarried independent woman in the late 1800s streamlined. And I think that's fucking fascinating. So I think for this moment, the next 10-ish minutes that you'll have me on the mic, let's be a little bit less bitter about the consumeristic Valentine's holiday. And let's actually appreciate all of the work, dedication, talent that went into building this out-of-control holiday that we experience today. So let's talk about Esther here because, wow, so cool. Esther Howland was born in 1828 in Worcester, Massachusetts, and she was the daughter of Southworth Allen Howland, what a name, and Esther Allen Howland. Her mother Esther wrote a cookbook called the New England Economical Housekeeper and Family Recipe Book, which I guess was a huge hit, and it was published in 1844 by her father, Southworth Allen. Why the names are so hard to say here? It's like a total tongue twister. So her family, obviously, off to the start, a little bit of an entrepreneur background here. And it's even bigger because her father operated and owned the largest bookstore and stationery store in Worcester, Massachusetts. And their store was called S.A. Howland and Sons. Oh, did I mention that Esther has three brothers? Esther later went on to attend and graduate from Mount Holyoke College in 1847, and although the school did not celebrate St. Valentine's Day, students would secretly exchange poems elaborately scrawled on the sheets of paper, the good old-fashioned note passing, and really, it was kind of a hit. People were into it. It wasn't allowed, and everybody loves what's not allowed. So shortly after graduating from college, At the age of 19, Esther received a valentine from a business associate of her father's. So really, I think somebody sent her father some valentine's grams and Esther was like at the store and opened them and was the first person to see them. So she saw these valentine's grams and was like, oh my God, what is this beautiful piece of art? They were decorated with an elaborate fine lace border. They had cut out flowers that had been colored and pasted on. And in the center of the valentine was a small, pale green envelope that contained a note with a red border and a verse that was appropriate for Valentine's Day. Totally snazzy. And at this time, elaborate valentine greeting cards like this one were imported from Europe And because they were imported, they were not affordable in America. So during this time, the United Kingdom had already kind of like taken off with their own greeting card Valentine's Day business. So it was booming out there in Europe. And the only way that the United States could get access to these cards was by importing them into the country. But it was so expensive. And so people in the United States knew these cards existed and they wanted them and they thought they were so cool. But the only way they could get them was by like freaking losing a week's worth of pay. And it was just not sustainable or reasonable. So when Esther got her hands on these cards, she was just completely in awe. She loved these Valentine's Day cards so much. But she began to think to herself like, why can't I make beautiful, embellished Valentine's Day cards 
and just sell them here in the United States at an affordable cost and cut off Europe entirely. Like, why why wouldn't I do something like that? Like, hello? In boom, her multi-million dollar business deal was planned in a heartbeat. So Esther convinced her father to order her some supplies from New York and from England so she could get straight into DIY work. Right off the bat, Esther made a dozen samples of Valentine's Day grams, and she passed them over to her salesman brother, who added them to their inventory for their next sales trip, which they did for their father's business. Because mind you, the father did have a stationary business, so the sons would go out as the salesman and sell things to people. So they started going out on their trips along with Esther's Valentine's Day grams, and handed them off to people and got a little vibe to see, you know, what the public thought of these cards. So Esther was initially hoping for about $200 worth of orders, and she almost dropped dead when they came home from their trip, and they had over $5,000 worth of business for her. Whoa. (laughs) So Esther got to work. Her Valentine's Day cards were hashtag extra with so much layering and collaging, numerous different fabrics and materials. They were super, super gaudy with like tons of glitter. They had pop-up and moving pieces that were three-dimensional and they were just like next level Pinterest. Honestly, when I look at them, they remind me of something I would see framed on my grandmother's wall. But I mean, it was the 1800s, so I guess that makes sense. (laughs) So Esther eventually had to hire a full team because the work was way more than a one-person workload. And she did what any boss bitch would do, and that was hiring a full team of women. Yes! To Galentine's Day, let's do this! So her team of women worked on the third floor of her house in her guest bedroom, and they created somewhat of an assembly line where Esther was in charge of cutting the basic design for the individual valentines, while the rest of the group was responsible for carefully copying each card and recreating it. Esther also hired women who had to work from home by preparing a box with all the materials required. So she was all about that work from home life, like before any of us even knew that was a thing. (laughs) A week later, they would pick up these boxes at these women's homes by some sort of like driving escort and they would return them back to Esther and she would inspect them. And if they were good to go, they went out to the world. It's also reported that Esther paid her employees very, very well, like above the average wage, and that the work was very light and very pleasant, according to her coworkers. So she was offering an incredible work-life balance, very, very above average pay for women during the time period of the 1800s. This was unheard of. Also, is she accepting applications? Because I have always dreamed of being a greeting card maker since I was a child. Just saying. So in 1850, Esther's first advertisement appeared in the Worcester Spy. And soon she found herself in a position of a full-blown businesswoman. Side note, I hope I'm saying Worcester correctly. But if any of you are from Massachusetts and highly offended by my pronunciation, lo siento. 
So her newfound success obviously brought a lot of new competition. And in order to distinguish herself from her competitors, she began stamping the letter H on the back of her cards in a red ink, along with the price of the card and the letters N-E-V Co., which stood for the name of her company, which was New England Valentine Company. Esther's simpler styled cards sold for only five cents. So these were like the cheapest ones you could get with like probably like the most basic style of design. But she had some gaudy ass cards and these included ribbons, artistic illustrations, hidden doors, lace, and interior envelopes that could hold even more secret messages, sometimes including locks of hair or engagement rings. <laughs> and these sold for as low as $1, but up to $50, which at this time was an insane amount of money that you would spend on anything, let alone a greeting card. So she had some pretty top tier bitch clients if they were dropping 50 bucks on a hair lock engagement ring greeting card. And in addition to her booming Valentine's Day card success, she also began branching out and she created Christmas cards, New Year's Eve cards, birthday cards, booklets, as well as May baskets. Then in 1879, she published the New England Valentine Co.'s Valentine Verse book. That is literally the full title. And it consisted of 31 pages. So this book was really intended for the customer who found a beautiful card that they absolutely loved, but they weren't really that into the verse that was inside the card. Like the front cover was gorgeous. The little saying in the inside, they were kind of like, mm, not so sure about that. So with this book, they could basically choose from a total of 131 verses that were all printed out in red, green, blue, and gold ink, and they came in three different sizes. So the customer could choose whichever verse from the book that they loved and that they wanted, and they would basically like cut it out and paste it into the original card that they had purchased that they loved. So kind of like expanding on now the customer is also doing a little DIY to this totally out of control card. So Esther's Valentine's became renowned throughout the United States and she was called, quote, the mother of the American Valentine. And due to her cards being shipped all over the country, her business eventually grossed over $100,000 per year, which was a massive sum for the time period, which is equivalent to around $3 million today. That is unbelievable. <laughs> that is unbelievable that this woman could be making that much money during this time period and also making this money in an all-women-operated business. But Esther eventually sold her business to someone named George Whitney in 1880 in order to take care of her sick father which is so sad, but also so sweet. So Esther is known to have introduced the Lift Up Valentine. So these Valentines consisted of several paper lace motifs built upon one another in layers. And she also introduced the layering of lace, the use of thin colored paper, three-dimensional accordion effects, and a bouquet in which flowers would move to reveal a verse when pulled by a string. 
And many of these same techniques are still being used today in the card making business. How crafty is this lady? So in addition to all of her creative genius, Esther was a pioneer in so many other ways. She was a female entrepreneur who owned a multi-million dollar business, and she was an example of independent womanhood in the 19th century. She was also a huge staple in the women's movement by hiring an entire female team, paying them well above the average pay grade, and giving them like a good work experience, you know? Like at this time, people had been like slaving away in factories and working like 25 hour days and inhaling like fucking tar. And she had a multi million dollar business where women were working from home or hanging out in her house and just like making cards. <laughs> like, oh my God, like what a dream this had to have been for those employees. So on one last note, Esther never married. She never had a family. She never had a husband. She didn't have children. She never did the thing, which some might find ironic considering her entire business was focused around sentiments of love. But just like many other women we've discussed on this podcast, Family priorities often sit very low on the totem pole of to-do lists when you're killing the motherfucking game in your career. I mean, we just had this conversation about Betty White last week where she went through quite a few husbands and a couple of those marriages didn't last because she didn't want children. She just wanted to focus on her career. So some might think it's weird she never got married or had kids, even though she was like streamlining this Valentine's Day industry. But some might think that makes the absolute most perfect sense when you're a multimillionaire and you're just living life to the absolute fullest. <laughs> like, You know, maybe a dude never came around that was good enough. I don't know. Nor do I really care, to be honest. But in 1904, Esther fractured a femur and was bedridden for eight months. And then shortly later, I believe the same year, she ended up dying in her home on 9 Adams Street in Quincy. She lived an incredible life. She was talented, creative, spontaneous, risk-taking. She literally created an entire business in the United States that didn't really exist at the time. And she provided work to women out there in the 1800s. And she kind of led this movement of women entrepreneurs who were independent and rich as fuck and kind of created a new space for other women to want to follow that path for themselves down the road. So love this woman, super cool, so excited that I was introduced to her, and I really like that I can kind of, you know, pour one out for her every Valentine's Day as I receive my own Valentine's Day card or I purchase my own card for another person. I just think as much as we might hate how disgusting this industry has become, I think it is good to remember these types of stories because in the 1800s, Launching your own multi-million dollar business that's completely operated and owned by women and turning it into what it is today that in 2022 we'd still be celebrating this shit, that is a massive accomplishment and that deserves absolute all of the credit and recognition and all of the champagne and celebration every Valentine's Day. So once again, cheers to Esther Howland. 
Cheers to Valentine's Day. Cheers to Galentine's Day. And I hope you guys all have a beautiful day filled with chocolates, rainbows, pizzas, rom-com, and eternal self-love bliss. Bye.